Gracious God, you are indeed mighty to save, and you are mighty to sanctify us, Lord, through the power of your Spirit. You are at work in us in ways far beyond our comprehension. So, Lord, we pray as we come to your word this morning, this gift of the book of Colossians, that you would pour out your Spirit among us, enlighten our hearts and minds so that we might understand you more and understand ourselves more in Christ that we might more fully reflect your character in your ways. We thank you for the gift of this time and ask that you would bless it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So for my husband and I's 10-year anniversary, we made plans. We asked a friend to watch our, at the time, two girls, Sophie and Amelia, were almost four and two um, for the weekend, which is the first time they were kind of doing a overnight um, and for a whole weekend. It was the first time in almost four years we were going to get a weekend without our kids. So we shipped them off, and then we started to redo our deck. That is how we spent our 10-year anniversary weekend, was rebuilding our deck. And here was our logic. Okay, We thought, well, we could go away. Um, but why don't we redo our deck and then we'll sort of have an oasis, beautiful space all the time. Um, I think this is highly influenced by the Matthias sauce, which is my maiden, my mom's maiden name, jeans in us, these Hungarian workers that kind of don't know how to stop working and even choose celebrations to work. So in hindsight, I would not recommend that for an anniversary weekend ever, is doing a major home improvement project. But that is what my husband and I did for our 10-year anniversary. We put on our work clothes, and we started taking apart our deck and rebuilding it. Uh, we spent all day, Friday, he took the day off, we spent all day like peeling up the boards. I broke a hammer, like the wood part, because I had been lifting up so many nails. We did make some time to go celebrate. <laughs> We, we made reservations at a very nice restaurant when, for our anniversary day, evening, and we went out to celebrate. But of course, there's, when you're redoing a deck, like, it actually takes a little longer than a weekend. And so we worked up until we absolutely had to go get ready. So I ran upstairs, I showered, I put on some fancy clothes, but I did not have time to do my hair. So I just kind of put it up. And we went out for dinner. But the whole time, I kind of just felt like, I didn't feel right. Like, I wasn't fully redone, remade for this celebration. In this section in Paul, in Corinthians, Paul is going to be talking about what to wear, how to dress. Not for a night out, not for an anniversary dinner, but for our life in Christ. This morning, Paul is going to be talking about wardrobes, which is a favorite topic of most women. He's talking about a total makeover here, but of the supernatural kind. This is, in, in, in Colossians 3, 1 through 17, Paul goes through what to wear and what not to wear. How many of you watched that show, What Not to Wear. Is it even on anymore? Stacy and Clinton were my favorite. I think I watched every episode. I loved how they would spy on people and pick apart how horrible their dress was, how it did nothing for their bodies. 
And then they'd take them and sort of show them all the ways they were doing a disservice to themselves and then do the process of teaching them how to choose what to wear for a makeover. And it was amazing at the end. I loved it. This is the spiritual version of what not to wear in Colossians 3 here. Paul points out the behaviors and the attitudes that are not so not us that are not who we are, and instructs us in the fashion of God, the spiritual makeover we have in Christ. So in Colossians 3, there's a bit of a shift from the first two chapters. He shifts from theology, which is what he's been talking about in chapters 1 and 2, thoughts about who God is, the preeminence of Christ, overall holding all things, having brought all things together, reconciled all things, and what he has done on our behalf, who we now are, dead to sin. So he takes this theology, and then he shifts into what this means for our lives, Christian living or Christian ethics ethical instruction for life. And he begins this section with this phrase, if then, or since then. Since then what? There are two fundamental theological truths that Paul addresses here as he moves into this uh, conversation on Christian living. And the first since then, or if then, actually occurs in uh, chapter 2, verse 20. Since you have died with Christ... To the elemental things of this world. So that's the first one. Since you have died with Christ. The second is in three ones. Since you have been raised with Christ. So there's these two things. Since you have died and since you have been raised. That is the starting point for this conversation on Christian living. That is the foundation for Christian living. The route to godliness. The route to maturity in Christ. The way to grow spiritually is not food regulations and rules, which he covers right before in the section Bev taught on last week, 2, 20 through 23. It's not rituals or worship of spiritual beings, which is part of the false teaching he's been addressing in Colossians. No, the route to our life with God and growth in Christ is this. We have died with Christ and we have been raised with him. It's a propositional truth. It's what is true about us. And it's also an ongoing experience. It's what is happening to us. And the way Paul communicates this is to is his own version of what not to wear. So first, he addresses what not to wear. In the beginning of Colossians, before we get to the exact things of not to wear, he sets the tone for the whole passage by saying in verse uh, two or three one. Since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above. This word seek or set your minds on things above, seek the things above. This word seek means search for or desire, search for or desire. And the word set your mind, mind is not just intellectual. It actually involves emotions and heart. Set what you think and feel on the ways of Christ above. What are you dwelling in? What are you allowing your thoughts, your emotions to dwell in and on? Because where your heart and your mind and your desires are centered, that will determine your action and your behavior and the way in which you live. Mind you, this isn't just kind of an otherworldly thinking. Just think on heaven and the things above. 
that disengages from the world around us. This is a higher kind of life that is embodied here on earth. That's what Paul is calling us to. And he speaks more specifically of this higher kind of life in verses 12 through 17. But first, what not to wear. So since you have died to the old ways, Paul says in verse 5, put to death what is earthly in you. And in verse 9, put off the old self. The message is even more explicit. Following this, since you have died with Christ and have been raised with him reality, Peterson writes, that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Kill off everything connected with that way of death. That's the ways of the world. You're done with that old life, Peterson continues. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. So this isn't just a matter of giving up a few vices and taking on a few virtues. One's whole nature must be exchanged. Not just a few things swapped out. So what does Paul put under the category of what not to wear? Here in this letter, he focuses on two main areas of behavior, which he lists as typical of the old wardrobe or lifestyle of the world that we are to abandon. Sexual immorality and speech. Now, a whole talker series could be um, had on both of these. Under sexual immorality, I'll offer N.T. Wright's comment. He says, the catalog of sexual misbehaviors includes both action and thought. The term illicit sexual behavior, which is how he translates the Greek word porneia, That's the word that Paul uses here that my Bible in the ESV translates as sexual immorality. This term, porneia, illicit sexual behavior, is a wide term which includes sexual intercourse outside of marriage. So this is any thought, behavior, action that has you thinking of or engaging someone sexually outside the context of marriage. That's what Paul is talking about here. So I think our world is not far off from Paul's own world where sex and sexuality was viewed as something that you indulged in as you felt the desire. And I think what Paul is saying here, what he was saying then and what he's saying now is what we do with our bodies matters. Who we unite our bodies to matters. Where we allow our thoughts to go in the areas of sex and sexuality and sensuality, it matters. It matters. Not just to our bodies, but our souls. Peterson helpfully summarizes, I think, this verse on sexual immorality like this. After listing sexual promiscuity, impurity, and lust, he writes, and he also includes, doing whatever you feel like when you feel like it. And grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of God. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of God. Which is sort of the idolatry image that he brings up here. What are we allowing to shape our understanding and view of sexuality? Is it the world? our own feelings and impulses, or is it God? 
I actually think this is a really important discussion right now in, in light of our current culture and how very highly sexualized it is. How we honor God with our bodies, how we put off the old life defined by the world and put on the new life as defined by Christ, especially when it comes to our sexuality, it's an area we desperately need to engage in discussion on and wisdom is as Christians. Sex cannot be a taboo subject in the church. It just can't. We have got to start talking about it together. We have got to start talking with our youth and our children in appropriate ways because the world is talking about it all over the place. It is so in your face. And the vision that they are communicating about sex and sexuality is so far from what God intends. Paul frequently talks about sex in his letters. We need to be talking about it. Clearly, he sees this is an area that we as humans get confused and muddled on. Sexual desire is a powerful force. And Paul reminds us here to allow those desires to be shaped by God and his ideas as the creator of this amazingly good gift. As Paul continues on to, into the areas of things that need to be put off, it's important to note here that just as Paul is concerned about, that Paul is just as concerned about our speech as he is our sexuality. Which might be what we have a harder time with, ladies. I don't know. But he's just as concerned about our speech as he is our sexuality. Just as he calls us to put off certain be- sexual behaviors, he also calls us to put off ways of speech that are of the world. Behaviors of anger, malice, slander, I would add gossip to that. Anything that tears down someone, obscene talk, lying, equally need to come under the scrutiny, under our scrutiny as we die to our old self and put on the new self. These sins need to be treated just as seriously. Just as what we do with our body matters, what we do with our mouth matters. And ultimately, what comes out of our mouth is an indication of our heart, isn't it? The tongue is one of the most powerful sources of building up or tearing down for healing and health or for destruction. And social media has taken this to a whole new level where we have the capacity and the platform to speak in a way we never have before without being face-to-face with someone and seeing the impact of that. Words have the power of life and death. And our words need to reflect this new life that we have in Christ. So those are the two areas that Paul addresses that we need to put off, put to death. Before shifting from the putting off of the old life to the putting on of the new, there's one thing I'd like to say, one more thing I'd like to say. What Paul is talking about here is not the teaching that can be current in the Christian community today of just follow Jesus and do your best. The reality Paul is trying to make us aware of here is that we have been joined to Christ. We are in union with Christ. We participate in his death 
and we participate in his new life. And so that new life should reflect the ways of his kingdom, the things of Christ where he is seated above. We are part of a new creation, a new order of things, and our lives should reflect that. And so we are to look different in our behavior from this world. We're to embody now what God intends for human life in society, in community with one another, which will one day be fully manifest, it says. Your life will be fully manifest one day when Christ is fully manifest. So this isn't just do your best. This is kill off, put to death what is not of God. Okay, that's what not to wear. So we've just done the picking apart of the old wardrobe that just doesn't fit us anymore, right? Doesn't suit us. And having dealt with that and the things we're to die to, Paul shifts to the new self. This is the what to wear part of the makeover where we are given our new wardrobe. As Paul shifts to this, I want to highlight two things. First, notice that in verse 10, we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. The phrase, being renewed, notice that. Just as our salvation is the work of the Holy Spirit, so the ongoing work of our sanctification is an act of the Holy Spirit. This this phrase, this verb, being renewed, is present tense, which means it's continuous. It's an ongoing thing. We are constantly being renewed. And it's a passive voice, which means someone else is doing it. We are being acted upon by an outside source of power, We have put off the old and put on the new only by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. So it is the simultaneous truth that we have died and we are raised with Christ. It has been completed on the cross and through our baptism. And we are dying and being raised. The ongoing work of the Spirit to conform us to the image of Christ. Paul is saying, you are Now be. You are. This is who you are. Now be. You're dead to your sins. You're alive to Christ. Now act like it. But we can only act like it through the power of the Holy Spirit doing that work in us. Sometimes I wish the Holy Spirit would step up its game a little bit in me. (laughs) Especially with my children as we move on to these virtues. I feel like... uh, a little bit lagging, but it is the work of the Spirit in us as we participate in that work. Second, as Paul knew, I love this passage, verses 12 through 17 in Colossians. It is one of my favorite. I came across it, I don't know, in the last year, and I thought, if my this could be our family verse. Like, if we could just live into this verse. I mean, really, right, of the Christian community. If we could just live into this reality. Oh, my God. It would just be amazing. But note that as he says, put on then, or therefore put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. He prefaces it with these three terms, chosen, holy, and beloved. This is already true of us. We are chosen. We are holy in Christ. We are God's beloved. Not because we do everything that follows in verse 12 through 17, 
But that's our starting point, chosen, holy, and beloved. It's who we are before we live into anything that follows. That is our status before God in Christ. And so ethics or virtuous behavior comes as a result of being in Christ. Again, you are. Now be. Realize what is already true of you. But we do not live into these ways to be chosen and holy and beloved. It's who we are. So in 12 through 17, Paul doesn't give a list of rules or ethical guidelines. He outlines for us a way of being that reflects the divine character and a way of being in relationship with each other. This isn't a list of do's and don'ts. These behaviors come from a heart change, a renewed heart and mind and soul in Christ that changes the way we see ourselves and others. One commentary wrote, no system of do's and don'ts can create the image of God in us. I loved that. No system of do's and don'ts can create the image of God in us. Only union with Christ can do that. So remember that. It is only in being joined to Christ that we can live into this beautiful vision in Colossians 3, 12 through 17. These, uh, in terms of wardrobe, these are foundational garments of Christians. They're not things we occasionally wear. These are the things we put on every day, like those foundation pieces in our wardrobe that we wear every day. So Paul says, put on Put on compassion, a deep feeling for someone moved by another's difficulty or misfortune. Put on kindness. I loved what one commentary wrote. Kindness, a gracious sensitivity towards others that is triggered by genuine care for their feelings and desires. Gracious sensitivity towards others that is triggered by genuine care for their feelings and desires. Kindness. Put on humility. This checks our incessant need to attain honor and recognition. And this is one for our modern, for the modern world of social media, isn't it? Where self-promotion and this incessant seeking of likes that we exist in now, it's the water we swim in. Gentleness or meekness. Strong's concordance defined meekness as gentle strength is another term for it. Meekness, which expresses power with reserve and gentleness. Gentle strength. Patience. This is a walking with each other that walks as long and as far as it takes. A walking with each other that walks as long and as far as it takes. Forbearance and forgiveness. Paul recognizes that we are sinful and we will hurt each other. So bear with and bear up each other. Bear with each other and bear up each other. And forgiveness has to mark our life together. And then it culminates in love. Above all these things, put on Love, which binds all these things together in perfect harmony. I hope this doesn't, um, 
I thought of this example. This is like your jean jacket, right? That goes with everything. It pulls the outfit together every time. I hope that doesn't cheapen <laughs> the idea. But I was just trying to think of something. What's something we want to put on every day that pulls it all together, right? Completes the outfit. And then peace. Let peace rule. I should have worn a jean jacket today. I'm just realizing. <laughs> Let peace rule, not fear, not anxiety, not anger, peace in ourselves and peace with one another, which we know this is only possible through the Holy Spirit. This is only possible through the Holy Spirit. So we pray into you, Lord, give us peace. You, the King of peace, the Prince of peace, bring peace to my heart, bring peace in this relationship. And then thankfulness, live lives of thankfulness. How can we not be thankful? When we take in where we were, dead in our sins, lost, and what God has done brought us into this new life, an abundant life with him, thankfulness just overflows as a response. And then in verses 16 and 17, word, worship, glory. Word, worship, glory. Let God's word have the run of the house. Be what you dwell, let it be what you dwell in. What dwells in you all hours of the day. And let worship, singing, and praise frame your lives. This is why we worship every time we gather. Because it is part of what lifts us up to the heavenly places with Christ. And then in everything you do, do it in a way that gives Jesus the glory. There is so much more that could be said on this whole section. What I'd like to do is close by reading uh, this whole passage. Instead of reading it in the beginning, I'm going to read it at the end. But I want to read this whole passage from the message, which I think just gives a beautifully fresh take. You can see that my talk was influenced by this on this section. So listen. Colossians 3, 1 through 17 from the message as we close. Because I think I have some insights that God has given me, but really what we need is God's word to wash over us and through the power of the Holy Spirit for for it to transform us. That's what we need. So hear these words. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your your real life, remember, shows up on this earth again, you'll show up too, the real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like when you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. 
It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better. But you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old way of life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. (coughs) Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider, outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dressed in the wardrobe God picked out for you, Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to give an offense, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing, sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step.